everyone, and welcome to the Wigan F1 podcast. It's our Australian Grand Prix review. Uh, after a chaotic race, quite frankly, the first time there have been three red flags in an F1 race. And to just discuss it all with myself, Nigel Shu, I've got Adam Dickinson and Freddie Coates. I forgot to come up with some kind of intro that I usually do when I present, but I had, so I haven't this time. Uh, how are you guys doing? I mean, in itself, I feel like that is an intro, is Nigel's lack of intro. I think the, the basics of an intro were met, which is, hello, welcome, this is what we're doing, these other people. Yes, I guess. Um, and I'm doing all right, I'm tired, <laughs> but apart from that, I'm all right. Yeah, same, I'm quite tired as well. Are you tired, Adam? I am, yeah, I'm running on about two and a half hours sleep. So It's hard to fit in tired. a busy week of work where you're ill. Followed by I two five thirty starts when you're supposed to be having your recuperation days. Yeah. But not but don't woe is me, people, because it was fun. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. Uh no, I did. I did. Oh. <laughs> I did. Uh <laughs> let's let's first talk about so Max Verstappen won, of course, second race win of the year, extended his lead in the championship. But I think we've got to start with the red flags. Uh I said, let's go through them one by one. The first red flag, when Albon crashed, they said it was gravel and dead debris on the track, mostly gravel. Do we think mm. that was needed, Freddie? Um, my my first reaction to it was, oh, that's a strange red flag. There must be something more to it. Um, the gravel, the fact that it was the gravel was quite surprising. Um, I would say from my, you know, not there. Not all the information I know, not a red flag, but um, yeah, I, I feel difficult calling this kind of thing out sometimes, but it looked like a safety car cleanup rather than a um, red flag cleanup, but because they weren't, they didn't really repair any of the barriers and things like that. So, I mean, I guess for caution's sake, if you think there's a big old dent somewhere, deal with it, but that's my yeah, my my kind of my kind of on the fence take. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that really. It it was a bit of a surprise. It didn't look like there was anything that couldn't be cleared up and dealt with a lot quicker behind the safety car. But again, we weren't there, and you know there might have been other things that we didn't spot. So um, yeah, it's not the kind of yeah, not got a major problem with it, but was a bit surprised. Yeah, that's quite simple. I personally didn't feel felt that the red flag wasn't needed but I mean I'm trying to think has this happened before was it 2020 Belgium Russell caused a red flag when he crashed and there was dead. it was like just before Stabolo I can't remember, remember if that was for gravel oh no I remember that because I thought there should be a red flag That's ah, what, that was it yeah that yeah, was because no. you had Giovinazzi and Russell having an absolute um, debris fest and it was a surprise that it wasn't a red flag in my opinion for that one um, so, 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 like that scenario. I think, I think a scenario which was you could say was similar would be um, Saudi Arabia's first race when Schumacher went into the barriers, um, and they they didn't know whether they would need to repair the barriers or not, so red flagged it, and then was like, "Oh no, the barrier is fine," yeah. but they red flagged it. Um, damage barriers to that. Damage barriers, I absolutely understand, but gravel, personally. Once the cars are all bunched up, it takes them over two minutes to get round Albert Park. I would have thought the marshals can sweep it up or they can get the 
uh, some kind of machine out, and well, I guess maybe the machine. I don't know. They don't, don't really have. Music. They don't really have a precedent for track sweepers in F one, um, mm. like they do in IndyCar. It's not an oval. Um, I would have thought they would have had brushes, but I would have thought they had brushes. Sure. But I guess that's the thing. They wanted to put something more substantial on it, perhaps. Yeah. Like a track sweeper, which they which the ones they use in F one are like the sort of ones you get at the side of the road. Um, which are go at you know ten miles an hour. They're not especially designed like the ones you get in the states. So, if they want to do that, if they want to do a definite big old proper wipe slate clean, because a broom is a will work for the most part. But I think the fact that the gravel was the gravel. Let's be honest, I've never seen more as that much gravel brought onto a racetrack. Yeah, that's what I wanted to add. It, is it? I mean, I don't because it was it was happening through um free practice. I think. I think it was FP1 that they had a red flag on just, um, and it wasn't for this in the end, but it, people thought it was the um, gravel being pulled onto the track. There were a fair few drivers running off and then really raking it on. So I don't know if it's what, like gra- ground effect or something, maybe sucking more, like carrying it with the car when they run through the gravel onto the track. I don't know, but it did feel like there was more on the track than I've noticed previously, or whether they've changed up the gravel, but this isn't the gravel podcast, so I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, but that, that's my point. It's just there was a it was a lot and it was a very yeah. visible amount from a camera that was relatively far away. Um for that kind of thing. So if they want to definitely sweep it all off well, you're not going to get that much off with the broom. Genuinely, if we're being if we're being as, you know, sticklers on it as possible, then if they want to get a machine I can't remember if they I don't we didn't see it because it was a red flag they got a they got a truck down there to kind of sort it out or not but um what, what i'd say is they did all go through it anyway so they would have cleaned it up by kind of going through it oh, i thought but i think yeah we all kind no, of agree no, come on nigel it was one little channel three cars went through it and there's a little channel but there was nah, they all went through because the safety car it was like a good minute or two yeah the safety, safety car. car went through it and then they had the red flag so i guess that you look at that from a feedback perspective they look at it and go oh yeah this isn't going to work out as best as possible then Mm, totally. I don't know. I, I feel well. Well, we all think feel it was a bit cautious. I guess I feel it's a bit too cautious, maybe. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I said this before. Err on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it gets dangerous when we start saying too cautious and things like that. And that's why I think yeah, we were a bit of reservation at the start of this point, but. If that had, I was more, I would be more, oh yeah, I'm more surprised that was red flag than safety car, but it's the kind of thing I'm happy to, you know, benefit the doubt and leave there. Uh, second red flag, Magnussen's uh, crash at turn two when his tyre fell off. Do you think similar thoughts about that in terms of red flag and no red flag? First of all, I think we should blame Magnussen for it, not say his tyre fell off. Um, yeah, he ran into the wall. <laughs> Even if he was hit by the sun, it's you know, it's not. It's not. It's not. A, it's not the most. It's not the best look of a crash for him. Um, but I think you know there was a car over the place. There was debris that had been brought down the whole straight. Um, again, we only see what we see on cameras, so we just have to take the word that there was a lot of debris there. Yeah, I, I, I was I, more. I, like I was that. more surprised for this one actually. I. I mean. Again, like just going off what we could see, but it didn't look like, you know, it, it, it just felt like there really wasn't that much, and it felt like it could be. I, I don't feel like I've seen something like that pull a red flag. It felt like a pretty classic safety car incident to me. So I was actually quite well. Yeah, I was. I was very surprised at that one. It felt, to be honest, it felt like they were pulling the red flag because it was the end of the race and they didn't want to end it under the safety car. That to me felt. Do you like think that's a good thing? No. 
No, because I don't. It it just it feels like it's you know making making um you know race judgment decisions based on entertainment factor rather than I guess sporting factors to me. Ready? I would say I'm okay with it because I think a sporting factor could be racing to the finish in my opinion i think that is then that you could argue that that is a sporting factor and i but i completely get adam's side as well it's the kind of thing i i yeah i do like the sort of penalty shootout vibe over the end of like a two lap two laps at the end that we've had a red i do quite like that i think the times we've had it it's been really quite fun and exciting um and i and personally if the, if it gets to a point where it's kind of like well Yes, a safety car lap will count as a lap, but racing is what is what this is. It's a race. Then have a red flag at a certain point of time, just because it will then give us racing at the end. I'm I'm okay with that personally. It's interesting because I mean the two in, two instances I first think of is back in 2021 and Monza 2022 last year. So back in 2021, they had a red flag with two three laps to go. Uh, and it's when Hamilton deserved uh, red flag for the crash that one actually yeah so that mm. that's what the difference is uh, I guess because Verstappen's car was like in the middle of the track but then Monza last year there was a lot of backlash let's say from people about why they didn't red flag it and the race uh, finished on the safety car didn't it uh, in the end, with like four, yeah, there was there was an incident with four or five laps ago, and it just went behind the safety. Yeah, Ricardo broke down. Ricardo. in was it in between the Lesmos? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was a weird location. Yeah, um, it was a location that was difficult to get to, mm. and that understandably brought out the safety car and was a long safety car. Yeah, and and at the time, I think after the race, I said I didn't mind that because there's been. I think nine or ten past instances where a race has finished under, under safety car. And personally, I don't yeah, mind I it. Don't... Yes, it's not entertaining, but it kind of is what it is. It's a sense, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, but you, I, you know, obviously, I can see why the, why F1 would do it for that kind of entertainment factor that Adam kind of mentioned. But yeah, I would side more with Adam saying kind of for the purer aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess tradition as well, because this this you know thing of red flagging races, uh, you know, with a few laps ago is a very recent thing. I feel. Uh, I, I think uh, like part of me, and it remains to be seen because they do seem to be. I mean, it's just going off from race, but it's the first time we've had three red flags. They do seem to be more trigger happy on it, and I think what what I want to see above all else is that they are treating incidents the same. So if that Magnuson incident happens on lap two or lap 22 or whenever, then I'd want it to be treated the same all through. So if they're doing that, I would say that's something. And then that's just making the decision based off how, I guess you want to control the flow of the race and how much racing action you do want to see versus time taken basically. So yeah, I think, if they are treating all of these incidents the same, then that is at least something. But yeah, it, it kind of remains to be seen over the season how they will um, continue to do this, whether this will be a one-off or whether we will see more of it. But yeah, again, I just think it's... Um, yeah, I think it, it just felt a bit too heavy-handed on the on the red flags. Are we a fan of the standing start restarts? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, that's traditional as well, if you want to talk about purity. I'm sure um, from 2001 to 2017. They exactly, they, we're going they, before they, 2001. The 90s. Yeah, yeah, when the yeah. 90s, they did. So. When, before they had a safety car, you would red flag and you'd restart with the original order. And that was it, to be honest. One, one, one thing I would add to this, and I don't know whether we will touch on it later, whether you're planning to, but I feel like if it's a safety car immediately into a red flag, I I saw this mentioned online and I did kind of think, hmm, that's quite a good point, is take it from the order where the safety car was because it feels a bit unfair that you have people pitting under the safety car and then they can throw the red flag five or ten seconds later and they've immediately, or, you know, 30 seconds later and they've immediately lost a lot of ground. To me, that felt a bit, you know, it happened to Russell, I think, it felt like... I think just don't just change the red flag rules. I don't think start messing around with sort of where cars can be and things like that. Because um, then, then in my opinion, just, then in be. my opinion, I just think just throw a red flag all the time if you're going to sort of fiddle around with how a race is then neutralised officially. Um, I think if you just make it so that you, you know you can't change tyres under the red flag, then in my opinion that negates that, and I'm okay with that. I thought they did change that because what was it 2011? Nigel Crook yeah, from Royal Monaco, Monaco, where they had a fantastic closing stage with Alonso Button and Vettel yeah. all on differing age tyres, or or Button and Alonso on really really young tyres and Vettel on really old tyres, and they had lapped the whole field and they were fighting, and it was getting really really tense, and then there was a red flag. Because of a, a nasty, nasty crash, Petrov. Um, Petrov having a nasty crash at the end of the swimming pool, and and they were able to change the tires. And there was a backlash then about, oh no, we had a fantastic thing with this this particular rule, scuppered it. And I thought, and I, I genuinely thought this was changed in 2017, but I think I misread it. I think it was voted against changing it because I remember when we got to 2020 Monza, it was the first red flag we'd had in like four years. Yeah. And I was like, well, they're not allowed to change the tyres. Why do they keep talking about Lance Stroll? Why? Why? They're getting it all wrong. And I was like, oh, no, shit. I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> um, I was getting really irate at it. Um, but I was the one getting it wrong. But I genuinely think they'd moved to change that rule and it didn't get changed, probably because of unanimity back in the old strategy group rules. Um, that's too nerdy on how F1 rules are set, by the way. We're not getting into that. Um, but I, I think... I, I Sometimes I... I I put my hand up again. I like the randomness of what a red flag can do to the strategy of a race and things like that, that it can mix it up, that the guy could just end up in like 10th place and some random can end up in fourth place and things like that. But I also like the the idea that it's just kind of like, ah, oh, well, just don't change the tyres because why would you have that as a rule there? So I, I think... I think, well, obviously there's millions of F1 fans in the world, and the way the red flag goes, you'll like it depending on how it suits or doesn't suit your driver. But for those who, you know, are gas neutrals and want to see a good race, I, I think the fairest way is what you said. You can red flag it, but then you can't change tyres. Because take uh, Sunday's race, for example, uh, Russell still would have had, which we would have seen the strategy of Russell pitting early and then everyone else in front of him having to pit. Say there's no red flag and there's a safety car, we would have seen the exact same thing. So not changing tyres uh, is more fair in that sense. The only issue is, obviously, if there's damage and that kind of thing, then I think you should be able to change it, but then you can. there's going to be a case where two cars have collided towards the front and then 
someone's got, I don't know, someone's got a puncher, someone's got damage from wing and then oh, punches are different, changing that kind of, yeah, pu- yeah, punches obviously, but then, don't like, send fun- a car out with a puncher for yeah. a standing <laughs> but then like, I think I would say, something. I would say that the, the, the actual continuation of that, I think would then become people saying, well, why are you allowed to piss onto the safety car then, and so on, and there's an element of that that That's... could go, that could go a too far but i guess if a lap's being counted under the safety car then you can use it as, as a strategic lap who knows mm. um obviously the, the safety car um the pit lane is closed in some series for safety car and i think and it can be on on event but i think yeah um for safe for the pit lane for safety cars i think it's fine just to always leave it open um because it's what it is um it, it's kind of like yeah it <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. Sometimes it it would have been fascinating to see for Australian Grand Prix, the example how first ten Russell, laps were for most of the race. Yeah, well, I was going to say how Russell would have fared, obviously, if he didn't retire in the end. But with his that strategy versus the rest, uh, but obviously the red flag uh, gets rid of that because everyone's dead on the same strategy. So in that sense, it kind of limits the strategy because then everyone changes tires and that kind of thing. So that's what I. I'm not a particular fan of, I'd say. Uh, yeah. Adam, do we? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Adam, you throw, and I've said the lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to banning tire changes under the ref flag, but it does feel like there'll be situations where it does. I mean, you know, like you say, with a puncture or, I don't know. It it just feels or like there can be situations, yeah, where where it doesn't. Um, you know where it does end up backfiring and something that we've not thought of and and that is you know what f1 races do is like the you have things that are very small chance but over the course of many races and many laps then they end up coming out so i think yeah i but yeah i think for i guess it it just felt really harsh that russell did lose out so much based off you know kind of that strategy call and then what he dropped to eighth place i think um and yeah it it just kind of yeah i feel like if they're not going to, if they're not going to um, ban pit stops under, the, or you know, changing tires under the red flag, then I would like to see if it goes from safety car straight into a red flag, then they take the order from the safety car. Is what I would say. But well, then we equally, I'm sure there's many races like Monza 2020 where you know Gasly benefited. Uh, well, actually, he didn't benefit. That was because of safety car. But like people benefited, and like Silverstone 2021 after the Verstappen Hamilton collision, Hamilton benefited because he had damage and would have retired without uh, the real. Sun. Yeah, but that's not. It goes like... both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's not like uh, tires. Yeah. It's not strategy. That's I'd say it's like different yeah. ballpark, really. What the only thing to add on this for me is. If you're not allowed to change tyres, which is what I think should happen, they should just have a normal restart after the safety car rather than a standing start. Yeah, I agree with safer. that. So then it's so then it's basically just like there's been a safety car period, except there's been a red flag in the middle, and then race stoppage should be a stoppage, not a strategy thing for me. Uh, so that's how I... And I, I agree with that, which is why I then go back to, well, then I want them to change the tyres under the red flag. Yeah, it, it's 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 the thing. It's rocking a hard place for me on a lot of this, and a lot of things make sense from both sides of the way I want to watch it. And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm a fan of it, so I want to have a lot of fun. So yeah, after the second red flag, there was a third red flag, of course, the record-breaking red flag, you might call it, uh, because there was absolute mayhem on the final 
like green flag restart, I guess, with Sergeant and the Reese's in each other at uh, the back. Uh, yeah, Gasly went off and collected Esteban Ocon. Carlos Sainz nudged Fernando Alonso. Nudged. But, well, yeah. Uh, so we can talk about that. Turn four, turn three. Stroll went off, didn't he, as well? I'm yeah, do this Perez went off. Stroll went straight off. Perez yeah, went off, off at turn one. Did he go off at turn yeah. three as well? Yeah, so, so one. Straw yeah. went off at turn three. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Sergeant yeah. rams the back of DeFries in yeah. a very yeah. amateur breaking zone, um, to be honest with him. I, I think we all agreed that this had to be a red flag because it was just. Oh, of course. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course. So, yeah. This is, this, is, this is a definite red flag. Uh, but yeah, on the action, action on the incident itself, uh, Gazi and Ocon. I guess that was just... Could Gazi have rejoined the track a bit better? I think that's my question. The rejoining of the track was fine. Because okay. it was the squeezing on Ocon that he did inadvertently because he's yeah. a racing driver and was looking forwards and was just trying to get his car um, pointing, which it, it did. Um, it was just the fact then that Ocon then swept out round, as again is his right, that then meant the two were on the collision course. Um, it felt like a brain fade from Gasly a bit, or, you know, it just felt like kind of com- compounding the mistake of he... Well, I, I don't actually... I can't remember what... Um, whether it was his fault, did anyone tag him off or anything, but, like, you know, whatever. It, felt, it, it was he then went compounding. Yeah, he went so it, but it was then compounding that he came on and he just yeah. didn't... He just didn't, you know, look around. It felt like he was so focused yeah. on getting it, making lost ground that he didn't actually check you know what was happening around him so yeah just like nothing if malicious or intentional left, but yeah if he stayed a bit more left it would have been absolutely fine and he would have probably finished still in the points so yeah and it probably would have finished that lap i reckon um so i it, yeah it was i i, I it was yeah it, i agree with adam it was a bit of just kind of like you, you're joining a track you should look in your right mirror or and keep left and he joined fine, but then just underestimated whoever else was, pretty much. Mirror signal no, maneuver. Yeah. Yes, with he all of the, the, the indicators do, they have on these did, cars. Well, he would have had to hand signal, but yeah. you know, he did he did one of the mirror signal maneuver. In a way, he did a form of semaphore by crashing into Ocon. What's a semaphore? I uh, like um doing it like by like hand signals. Um oh, so right. Uh, indicators on like old cars used to literally be like a lever that would fall out on the back right of the car if you're turning right and back left if you're turning left, and that's essentially that kind of thing. Oh right. School buses in America have like... stop signs that like fold out from the bus like that, mm. and it's cool. Oh yeah, that's cool. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it's one of, it's one of those bits where you can have to go on YouTube again. So. However, I'm more like 15, 20 minutes in. I don't know. <laughs> but... Start hitting voiceover, maybe. Probably. I thought we were quite um, succinct there. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? It remind. I know it's very different in different circumstances, but it mm-hmm. did remind me a bit of Canada 2019. Yes. Yeah. I know, well, I I know I... this was sort of restart and that, and at the time I was kind of 50-50 on whether Vettel should be... Gasly had but... more places to go. Gasly also regained yeah. control of the car, I think, absolutely. Whereas with Vettel, that was always the question of whether he did just kind of go, like whether he could have not gone all the way to the right. It felt like with Gasly, then he I felt had, like Gasly he had... could have gone straight. He could have stayed off the track. Whereas with Vettel, he went in too hot, had no control on the grass, which meant he only could rejoin the track based on where the wall was for that. 
Whereas for Gasly, it was an it was an ache more space yeah. off and on the track, and there was um, just a time difference. I think he re you know he he kept, there was a much bigger difference between him coming on to the track and kind of going across to the wall. At least I remember it anyway. So yeah, but I do know what you mean. I I was going to mention that and I didn't, but yeah, I, was, I, I didn't think about it, but I can see the similarities now you mention it. And the one I thought of was um the twenty fifteen start at Melbourne where I think it was Maldonado got tagged around by someone, but I can't quite remember that. So I can't quite remember that either, mate. <laughs> I think he just went into the same bit of wall. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, do you think Gasly should have had a penalty? Yes, no? Go, well, a grid penalty, I guess. I think based on the way we discussed it here, it was a bit of brain fadey, wasn't it? So mm. a little free grid, maybe? Yeah. I think so, because it, it was his rejoin. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that kind of means race ban for him, doesn't it? Because he's on eleven penalties. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Doing. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah. to Martins. Yeah, but yeah, just to confirm, Gasly didn't get he's eligible. Yeah, Gasly didn't get any uh, penalty points or anything, so he can still race. And Alpine. Yeah, the, the uh, Alpine aren't going to push it, are they? <laughs> yeah, and, and Alpine were quite. <laughs> it would be Alpine funny were... if they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Alpine were quite in a in the stewards' office arguing with himself. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, I could he... see that happening actually, just by the nature of the man. I mean, it's it's something that you can imagine from like you know, like McLaren in two thousand and seven or something like that, where like Alonso would be really pushing or Lewis would be really pushing to get Alonso banned or something like that. Like, yeah, you can imagine it for some spicier teammate battles, but uh, yeah, nothing for this. Well, I mean, it pretty much did happen in nineteen eighty nine for McLaren when Ron Dennis mm. was essentially arguing a championship away from Prost. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, that was visibly Prost's fault. But then he's getting to that. That's going to be for one of our retro podcasts. Yeah. Uh, Ocon and Gasly didn't make, uh, I guess, too much of it. And uh, yeah, it it was all kind of friendly. So anything about the past didn't really. I know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of um, Ocon and Perez in Baku in in 2017 when. they both shouldn't have put themselves where they did and Top definitely two. lost a win. Definitely lost a win? I think they lost a win because they were third and fifth or something. Third and fourth. And then Ricardo won that race. And he was retro. Well, I say retro. It's six years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good I mean, example it, of that. Here, though, it did, it did still cost them because, what, it was fifth and tenth. Oh, yeah, you're right. So that's yeah. a handy haul of points, 11 points. So, yeah, yeah. that's... Um, yeah. And they probably, as I say, they probably would have been... Um, based on the nature of Alonso having gone round and then Stroll going straight forward, they probably would have been fourth or fifth again anyway, mm. fourth or sixth, even with the, um, even with Gasly going off. Ocon, I think, was getting ah maybe Hulk would have been ahead, so they would have been about fifth or sixth or seventh or something like that. So I mean, the, these are the kind of in in that you know battle for I guess fifth in fifth, the constructors' sixth, championship. Yeah. yeah, then it is it's like races like this are going to be what decides it, where there are those much bigger of points that you would usually get so yeah i think it's still it is a massive loss to them but um yeah just want to move on and learn from i guess yeah absolutely gasly he was running in that yeah. uh <laughs> trade of cars for most of the race uh behind the mercedes uh who are all behind and delonzo of course but they were all behind max verstappen who won in melbourne for the first time were we surprised to see the first lap him getting overtaken by russell and hamilton yeah it, it really. felt like it felt like a bit of an uncharacteristically um, 
unmaxed mis- um you know he made a, a few mistakes so he just wasn't quite on it he what went off went off towards the end of the race i mean he was all weekend he was complaining about the kind of brake balance and the feel of the car and yeah it's just you know to see him to see him well it's not just the fact that russell jumped him off the line it's then that hamilton was able to come through a few corners later and get past him that did surprise me so yeah but freddie it sounds like maybe wasn't so i mean i kind of expected russell to be punchy as well i was going for i think yeah i do i agree with adam that max didn't get his elbows out um on at turn one with russell at all he was he played that calmly and I thought that was pretty impressive. It reminded me of Lewis in the seven, like 2017, 18, 19 kind of time where he would just be like, okay, cool, overtake me, that's fine, but I'm going to get the points and I'm going to win the championship and it worked. And I think that was the game that Max was playing there, which is either I can just get out of the way, you can have your fun, but I will overtake you very soon, obviously. And But then at turn three, Max went, you could say, really tight on Lewis, but he was doing that while also having science on the outside. So then he judged that really well also as did lewis with his his send um which paid off so i think from all of them at that point it was really really good racing someone uh who's been on a guest on the podcast very recently who's scottish got a baby coming soon you know who you are uh, he said to me throughout last year congratulations uh, yeah congratulations andrew <laughs> uh he said to me last year verstappen races hamilton differently because of how he raced the club. So my response no no my response was I don't think so. In twenty twenty one it was just a case of the cars were so equal or Mercedes were faster at some races of course that Verstappen had to get his elbows out. Whereas last year, this year, or like most of last year, he knew he had the pace, so it doesn't have to be as aggressive. And that and Sunday was the perfect example of that. He knew he had the pace so that he could be super cautious. Yes, that's not in his kind of style but he, he's got that maturity and knows that. So he can afford to break a bit early. He can afford to not, you know, turn in yeah. aggressively or whatever. But I, I think, think he was then, sort of perfect example. I think he was cautious with Russell, but aggressive with Hamilton. Yeah. I don't think, and, no, and also last he year... could have chopped Hamilton more, I felt. But the, last no, year... I don't think so. Hamilton was half a car was on the curb. I, I also think last year, then, there was a difference between Hamilton, Verstappen racing even then than there was between Verstappen and Leclerc and even Verstappen and Russell in Brazil. Um, you know, they didn't race that much, but the few times they did, um, it, it felt like there was still that fire there on the few flashpoints that there were between the two drivers. So I I absolutely do think there is that difference. And yeah. I, okay. Well, that's that. I, I just... No. We need more examples of it because we have only had a handful of examples of them racing post-2021 based on where the cars are. And based on where the cars are, again, it lends itself to Max playing it a bit easier. So so we do need to kind of just see a few more examples of that as the season or seasons go on. I still think if... when you do look at that handful of examples, it does show a trend, though. A trend of... Of, of him racing said. Hamilton harder. Hmm... Quite a topic. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, do we think, uh, hypothetical, if Russell didn't pit and didn't break <laughs> down and Mercedes were in a 1 2. And Verstappen uh, broke down. Yeah. No, could Mercedes have beaten Verstappen at all, do we think? If, if it was the DRS forever strategy, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> which has been proven to work in the midfield. Um, 
and I've always wanted to see work be used in this kind of might yeah. this kind of strategy for a race because a lot of teams just don't go for it. But it was I don't and I don't think Mercedes wanted to tell their drivers to do it. Looking yeah. at Hamilton, but I think well then the only way they could have come close to this was um, yeah, like you say, Russell P one Hamilton seven tenths behind, keeping Verstappen six or seven tenths behind. For as long as possible, pitting Hamilton first and then pitting Russell immediately after, so they could then have that kind of buffer um, with with um for, to protect from the undercut. That's the only way they could have kept the lead. And even then, I think Verstappen would have got one of them in the pit stops and overtaken the other. And so I, I think it's got to be a gargantuan model teammate drive, pretty much like like Alonso and Ocon. Uh, brazil 2021 yeah they were doing that exact strategy and it paid dividends for them and they got double points um so it's the only i just but i just think that rebel was was mighty today I'd, I'd love to see teams like relaying through on the drs so like swapping like every lap well, that's difficult you'd lose too much time yeah but it'd be fun oh you could do it at some tracks like, you could do it at, te- Spa, team pursuit. Do it at monza I think Team Pursuit just like yeah, one yeah. Them, would, like comes through with the DRS. Silverstone maybe. Mm. I'd, I'd love to see that. Work. It never happened, but I'd love this to see that. Work. You'd be yeah. going offline and stuff if you get the tires, don't you? Just again, to ruin that period. the Texas race at the Indy car that we've just had. Go watch that. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I think you are right, Freddie. That is the only way they would have won, and it's kind of one of those races. Like normally, you can, you kind of want, almost want a safety car to throw up a strategy or make the race exciting, but. If for Sunday, I felt you, we, we didn't want the safety car <laughs> to, to kind of see how that would. <laughs> the one out. bit of interesting racing we'll get this year. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, but yeah, but even then, I feel like Hamilton and Russell would have had a great wheel-to-wheel battle or something uh, if there were no safety cars. And obviously, if Russell didn't have that that issue uh, at the time before the red flag, actually, did you think Mercedes made a mistake by pitting Russell? Yes, I did actually. I did as well because uh, I Hamilton did it to it as well. Board. Yeah, he alluded to it by saying we're at a disadvantage now because we've got one right behind. And that's it. And I think based on what I've just said about DRS being key, I think they needed to be um, they need to be in tandem. Yeah, Adam? Right thing to do, though, with Russell as well. I, nah, I don't know. I didn't because I thought they needed to get that advantage. I thought to win, as we've discussed, they really, I, like, I don't see them winning conventionally. I think they needed to take a risk to get the win. So in terms of getting the best result point. for the team, potentially not. But in terms of getting having a chance, a genuine chance at a race win, I think that was the only way to get a ch- genuine chance at the race win. Yeah, it's a very good yeah. point. Uh, on Halter's drive, did very, very well to keep Alonso at Bader a few times Alonso kind of uh, tried to push the pace but Alonso responded brilliantly uh, we heard lots on the radio about his tyres as usual I don't know if he was bluffing or playing games there I kind of feel he was to be honest uh, it was a visible management drive that mm. sometimes when you see that you have these management drives you you don't see them in, in that kind of vein but you could see the management there you could see Alonso needing to manage and you could see when that happened Hamilton was able to to, to manage him um, and then do that himself at a decent pace and and then if Alonso was able to push Hamilton was then able to to match that and he had he used reserves in the exact right way as a driver that is 
um, and used his tyres in the exact right way because, um, you know, that was a hard race for a lot of them. The reason they're all so close with Ferrari, with Gasly in the Alpine, with Hulkenberg held even close as well in the Haas, the reason they were all close together was because they were definitely not near their um, their maximum speed on those tyres at all. They were managing to hell there. And and they did that really well. So it was, it was impressive. I genuinely found it quite interesting. Oh, I did as well. Yeah, Adam, thoughts on Hamilton's race? Um, yeah, I think Freddie summed it up pretty perfectly. There's so not too much to add, but um, yeah, it, like you know, it it was obviously a shame for Mercedes that Russell wasn't able to you know really get a good stab at battling Verstappen or you know at least show what he could do. But having said that, you know, compared to the feeling around the team, what how 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 long ago was Bahrain? Five weeks. Four weeks? I don't know. It's been a while. But, um, it, you know, it feels a lot better than that. So, yeah, don't be too downhearted. Merck, and no. they look like, you know, it's what? No, it's not two, two podiums and two races because Russell lost his podium in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, he get, yeah, well, he did lose it, I guess. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I was going to say. Yes, Alonso was third. Hat-trick of podium to, to start the season. He did have that incident with Carlos Sainz, so I did quite enjoy his team radio war. He was very angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And said, uh, said about the red flag, set to one rules straight away. Uh, calm down. That, I mean, there's no overdrive. With, like with an example to boot. I mean, yeah. this guy could go into <laughs> yeah. a into an A-level exam and know the exact thing he needs to write for every question <laughs> straight away. <laughs> It is unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what are our thoughts on that incident? Because sides did get that five-second time penalty. Steamrolling. said it's like it's the worst thing I've seen from this sport in, like, years. Like, he oh, really, yes. really, he was so enraged. And, said, and I, my favourite part about the whole thing was when he went on the, when they went on the radio and said, Carlos, you've got a five-second penalty. And he just went, no. And then, like after he, he went into it after, no, but, really but, but he left like a five second pause. He just went no, <laughs> like, okay, well that's that's sorted. No, I mean it was like you know it, he it was his mistake again. Like he went into hard, I think, and and tagged Alonso, and you know it would have if they carried on running, then it would have ruined Alonso's race and taken a podium away from him. So it seemed like a pretty slam dunk penalty to me. But he went in too hot. I agree as well. Um, and. The only, I think, yeah, he he just went straight into him, didn't he? Yeah. I I I don't think the radio was the best part, actually, in my opinion. I found that really hard to listen to because I found he was so upset. He was so upset, and I mean, sides of that is kind of like, oh, the the emotion of the sport can be we can hit quite hard sometimes, particularly after such a because at that point we'd all been going for so long as as viewers. <laughs> so for him as a driver, thank goodness me, he, he's yeah, he's done. It, it wasn't three starts in this race. It wasn't the enjoying your suffering, but it was just the way. It was just the reaction of, "Oh, you've got a penalty." No, I, mean, I think, I think, yeah, I was and then leaving it there. Um, no, I haven't. Okay, okay. Go there on. is there. There was a kind of thought afterwards from quite a few people that it was harsh. I thought but it I, was. I do think. I think he came in hot. He came in so hot. I don't think he did. I think he was very under control. I think he was just. To me, I'd lean more towards a racing incident. It just was one of those. Yeah, all right. to me because I don't think he did go into it. He wasn't locking up. He didn't go all the way to the edge of the track. But he didn't that... go tight enough on the exit of the track anyway because where he went on the yeah. track was where there was a car. 
Just that's my point of it. It's kind of like, yes, he was in control and he made it through the corner, mm. but not enough, if that makes sense. I guess I think he, he gets un, he gets unlucky in a sense because Alonso is cutting back, you know, a lot sharper than he is. But then it's the first, you know, it is, it's the first he's obviously there. Yeah, it, it's a restart. Like it's, you know, that's what's going to happen. You can't take your perfect line through the corner because there are, you know, at that point, what, 14 other cars, 15 other cars around you. So, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, it, it's, I can see, you know, it's obviously not intentional or all of that, but I just think by the letter, it just seemed pretty textbook. Mm. Yeah, yes. I, I agree with Adam, I'm afraid. I can see where they're coming from, Nigel, but I mean, if Gasly no, you've, you've, you've kind of swayed me, to be fair. You've kind of swayed Gasly me. Gasly made that corner. I don't even know what would have happened between those three cars. <laughs> Gasly hadn't gone answer. straight on. <laughs> they're relatively lucky with that. Um, mm. Very lucky, actually. But I guess for Ferrari, I know they didn't get any points. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the pace was encouraging. Because I did think they wouldn't even be in that kind of podium battle, and Sainz was much better than uh, the, the tire. The tire management was encouraging. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's so on a, on yeah. a track where there was definitely a lot of tire wear, in a weird way, but definitely in the in the hot weather of, of the race day, there was definitely tire wear. That the Ferrari was in a was in you know a competitive position, which is which is definitely a definite improvement for Ferrari based on where they have been. Um, it's hard to talk about an improvement for Ferrari in a in a race where they got zero points, but um, there was yeah, there was yeah. one. Yeah, and like, like Science out qualified, uh, Leclerc and Leclerc. In fact, like this is the thing to me: the Leclerc getting spotted on lap one was kind of similar to the Alonso Science thing, where I thought it's not really much in it. That, that I kind of see those two things as, as similar. Incidents with Stroll and Leclerc, and then Sites and Alonso. Uh, personally, Leclerc's turning in like Alon- Alonso. Was it Alonso or Stroll? He was on the inside, of but they had nowhere to go. They were like, they they had he had nowhere to go. So I don't. Yeah, I think I Leclerc was turning in across him. Yeah, Ready? Yeah, because that's when that was where my original gut reaction to what I was going to say there was. Yeah, he's turning in. I'm just replaying it a bit in my mind, but I, I yeah, he I think pitches I... him. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's just kind of. It was sharp from Leclerc. Mm. It it was a shame, but yeah, I th- I think. Because like you see, yeah, like you say, the science one was borderline, but I think a penalty. I think this one was borderline, but not. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, it reminded was... me of Sochi when Leclerc speared Stroll in in Sochi twenty twenty, where Leclerc speared Stroll into the barrier, and definitely should have got a penalty, but didn't. Which corner? <laughs> um, at the end of the the long turn three. Um, I remember it. Yeah. We're doing a well, lot of reminiscing over the last. Yeah, that whole we? podcast. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's a random incident. <laughs> yeah, if you can remember these incidents, well done. You're not you can remember these incidents. Let us know at the number below. <laughs> uh, Sergio, I was, I was going to say, yeah, that those were. I think God, he made incidents in the race. Sergio Perez had a absolutely nightmare Saturday. I don't think I've seen a car in practice like not crash go off so many times and just look out of control and in his very first time flying lap in qualifying turn three uh, it just went too deep. He's kind of suggested there was a problem whether this was to do with his engine braking or the braking itself. 
and I'd have to agree. I, I, I don't think Perez or any driver would go off yeah. that many times mm. without there being some kind of problem. Uh, well, it, he said they up. made an adjustment to the car. Um, yeah. Was it between Friday and Saturday? And um, yeah. and then he wanted to change. Well, what it, I, I believe his words were he wanted to change it back, and they said no. So they still yeah. then also did make adjustments between FP3 yeah. and qualifying as well. Anyway, well as they normally do, but it feels like there was just never a window for that car. And to be honest, his race pace was pretty good considering. I think probably it did come to light in the heat a bit better than it did in the cold. I think there was probably a bit more the cold because, yeah, we saw Verstappen struggling to get to string quite a lot together throughout um, qualifying as well when it was quite chilly. Um, it was about 12, 13 degrees through qualifying. It, re- it really wasn't wasn't the weather of the race day. And that rebel was in a much better nick in the on race day than mm-hmm. in the on Saturday for both of them. So I think I think that does play into it as well. He made some nifty moves though. In the race itself, you know, there are a few a few where you kind of thought, um, particularly I forget which corner, but kind of the the um curve along the back by the lake and then going into the straight where there was the two DRS zones and it felt like you could wait till the second one and make the move. But uh, you know, there are a few times where it felt like, you know, if if the drivers aren't inch perfect here, then there is gonna be quite a bad crash, but he made it work and yeah, he managed I think Ocon and Piastri were the two that stood out but you know he was he looked urgent which was good to see you know compared to I don't know say Bottas moving up through the field when he was at Mercedes you know it looked like he had real purpose it looked through you know he was really you know getting on with it and not wanting to get stuck behind any of these cars for longer than he needed to I do genuinely think these cars raced really well at the circuit this year yeah Yeah. um because I know we can talk about the Rebels DRS advantage but the other cars all raced really well at this circuit this year um and for a lot of it, DRS did work as it should do. Um, I think it was the move Science did on Gasly, where he was able to sort of set him the dummy of not going for the move and then whack it down the inside at turn three. And that is one of the perfect, you know, perfect DRS zone lengths for where the cars are. I, I always find it a little bit tricky to sort of talk about DRS zone lengths because, you know, so much of the rest of the track plays into it and the way that the driver, driver has driven that. Because if, if you start a DRS zone, right behind the car, of course the DRS zone is always going to be too long because he's just going to do a drive-by. So hang on, the way DRS should work is always a sore point with me, but <laughs> this is how it should work. Yeah, no, yeah, I feel, I feel right. I think Perez is driving up. I'm going to use the phrase, that's his job, because I think Red Bull did have such a big ding, ding, ding. advantage. Uh, and fifth, with given all the incidents and that kind of thing, that's probably where I would have expected him he to also be. Got- very lucky at the end that the race exactly. did get, um, yeah, that, that it did get chalked off. <laughs> sent his straight the across the gravel. Um, yeah. But I, I think I, just following up on that point, actually, I did think I said before that I felt like it, the Australian Grand Prix did need, I guess, for the television audience and the worldwide audience, did maybe need you know a bit more of a memorable race, and I think it did get that. Maybe not always for the right reasons, and for a, an about an hour longer than it needed to. But you know, it but the was track the was first, good for it. the first, the first memorable Australian Grand Prix in what five years? Like you know, it was. Uh... Shouldn't put it like that. It's fine, probably. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, very quickly, because uh, we are really out. Twenty twenty Australian Grand Prix was quite memorable. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very quickly, McLaren had the best weekend of the season. Landon Norris six. Piastri. Eight finally, mm. Australians have a having a bit of luck and a decent yeah. result on home soil, mm-hmm. much needed. 
Yes, we talked about is. it before the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The drag is still going to be a massive problem because Norris had, well, it took a very long time to get past Hulkenberg, but when he did, it was very, very good. So I guess they've got very Baku coming up next. Time. So that's yeah. <laughs> not the best well, yeah. for it. Encour- encouraging signs, I guess. Encouraging pace with the majority of the grid there as well, actually. I would point out it wasn't just capitalizing, they did capitalize, but there was also encouraging pace yeah. at other, t- other points in the race. Mm. It did feel like the track maybe played into what their strength would be a bit more, but you know, you still got to take advantage of that, and they did. And you yeah, know, I, I don't preferred... know if it did. I think they had a very draggy car, and they were still able to, in what has become quite a high speed track, still able to do all right. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we said before, or I said before the uh, before the weekend that McLaren's no points before Australia wasn't as bad as it kind of looks because of you know various reliability and kind of this kind of issues but now they've put a reasonably clean weekend together they've shown their pace and I think that's what what we've seen now with six and eight for them. Uh Hulkenberg was seventh. We some thoughts that he could have been third if uh, because of science penalty if stuff was reinstated or that it wasn't mm. after Hass's protest. But he's really shown this is exactly what he needed for his comeback. He's proven me wrong about him. I could say I could say this after the first few races, I think, because he has been better than Magnussen. Adam is smiling. Uh, you can speak about Hulkenberg. Uh, you... Well, yeah, um, yeah. I think you know he has he has come in and done the job he needed to. Really, I mm-hmm. think because um, Bahrain wasn't a great race for him, as I remember, and um, what Magnussen got into. Um, Q3 and, and Hulkenberg didn't, and then the Haas didn't really do anything in the race, but yeah, much uh, better. Or was it the other way around? Um, Hulkenberg did get into Q3 in Bahrain. Oh, okay. Well, even um, better than yeah, he's, but he, he's but he had a bad strategy. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Magnussen got a point in Saudi. Mm. So, yeah, he's, he's, I, I just think he's putting it all together that he promised beforehand, but, um, you know, it is, it is still a lot of the season to go because I think when we talked about it, then at least from my side, it was, you know, we'll have to see how it goes over the whole mm. season. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good start, but it is just a good start at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Joe was ninth and uh, Alpha Tauri finally got the first mm-hmm. points thanks to Sonoda finishing 10th. David Croft was slightly upset that he didn't finish 11th because of the oh. three consecutive uh, non-first That's about his point. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, I know, yeah, I think we said... It's sketchy so. defending, he still did well. <laughs> Aggressive defending, <laughs> come on. Sketchy uh, defending, sketchy <laughs> defending, it was so late. Um, but no, but yeah, on so Joe, was Joe was yeah, miles ahead of Bottas all weekend. Yeah. Which was which is surprising, to, to be honest, because I didn't expect Bottas to be that far back, actually, on Joe. Joe had a really cracking weekend, and in the race was fighting for the points for the whole thing, pretty much. You could see him having a legitimate charge there. Whereas Bottas was off the back in a way that we've not seen from him properly enough. It was really a disappointing drive for him. I don't know if he was stuck behind De Vries or Sargent or something, but he was out back. But um... yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> he did have a cracking uh, helmet, Aboriginal art. Helmet. He did. Um, he did actually. That's a really good point. So I, I really wanted him to do well actually because he was kind of the good guy coming into the weekend. But, but my first reaction. Um... When we had that grid order, that that order at that timing order on lap fifty-seven or whatever it was, after everyone had crashed out, and he was in like seventh or something, I was like, he does not deserve to be there. That was my first reaction to it, and I feel quite bad because yeah, he should capitalize on it. You know, they would deserve it, but 
I, of all the drivers there, I think Bottas deserved not to be in the points. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean that in the nicest possible way because I don't like to dunk on him because he gets so much crap as Valtteri and he doesn't deserve a lot of the time. But this race was bad. Yeah, uh, and that's great. Yeah, the weekend wasn't great for Bottas, but hopefully for him, it was just a one-off and he can uh, come back bouncing in four weeks because there is a big gap uh, now because of the cancelled Chinese Grand Prix, which hasn't been replaced. There's going to be a lot of development, a lot of upgrades. Uh, I guess, well, we've all kind of said before, just for personal reasons, that we're kind of happy that there is a four-week break, to be honest, <laughs> haven't we? Uh, but yeah, for the teams, uh, it's going to be quite important for them to kind of align where they want to go uh, with the upgrades and development this year, I think, this part of the season. Because other than the summer break, where they'll then be focusing for next year, it's very rare that they get this kind of opportunity well, with the factory open, the factory open completely. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But yeah, are there any other thoughts on the weekend or the four week break or anything ever in life? <laughs> the first F1 race this year that's felt like a massive event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed that. I think, I, I, yes, this is the nature of the Grand Prix, but. After Bahrain and Saudi for qualifying and the race, I had no interest in watching the post-race discussions and things like that. I've just been like, well, what are they going to talk about? They're just going to talk about one random incident that I have no interest in. But for this, it was genuinely really, really, really interesting. And I watched it all. And it was like being an F1 fan from like when I was 14 again, where I'd watch everything and things like that. And, and I mean, even, even it was, 2019... It was, I, like yeah, it was, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, there wasn't a championship fight, but there was great action at a lot of races, and there was good racing, so it didn't matter so much. And that's, you know, if if we can have a repeat of that this season, then it's not going to be so bad. In fact, it might even be quite good. It might be quite good. Let's hope it's quite. Might good. be quite good. <laughs> yeah. uh, we will be on that back. note. Yeah, we will be back. Uh, for more podcasts in between now. And it's a good motto for the racking. podcast, that really, isn't it? It's a good slogan. It's like, it might be quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you can enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. We hope you can join us next time as well. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Nigel. Goodbye. Bye.